This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to Lucky Episode 13 of the March to the Arch podcast of this 2019-2020 college basketball season. All right, on today's episode, we've got a really fun one for you. First, uh, Baker and I will get to some banter that I know you guys know and love, or at least we hope you do uh, when you come back and listen. But also, we are joined by Harry Schrader, um, who we have a great interview with him. Um, He's part of ValleyHoopsInsider.com. Also, we're going to take a preview um, into upcoming games here in the Valley, and then we'll definitely go deep into the Valley about this about the historic Evansville upset over UK, which we'll talk about here shortly. Then uh, at the very end, um, I've got some audio from the Sunshine Slam that I went down to um, for those that might be interested, just hearing uh, starting lineups, some interviews that I did. So stay tuned for that. There's no rhyme or reason with that, but just know that at the end, I'm, I just pasted a bunch into that I got while I was done at the Sunshine Slam. So with that, Baker, how are we doing today? My question for you is, uh, just off the bat, is do you have ESPN Plus now? I do need to clear the record. Oh, boy. As of November 13th, about 7 p.m., the Vance household has ESPN+. Plus. Okay, finally, finally. So now, um, all of you out there who are worried about Vance being able to buy ESPN+. I heard I, Plus, I was taking shots I on some message board. I, so, so shout out to the guy on the Valpo message board who actually was ready to start a GoFundMe for you, Vance. <laughs> Um, my I, my mom actually listens to the podcast, and she told me she said he's not frugal; he's cheap. So fair, um, fair my statement. mom chirping you a little bit. Um, so, but you know what? That's beside the point. Um, I can tell you how things are going. Things are really, really good. How about the Valley Bakes? Oh man, it's like shock the world. It's awesome. Um, I'd love to. I want to say like the Valley's back. The Valley's back. But I also I'm also like I, I don't want to like get too excited like I mean the Evansville win is just unbelievable like I'm over the moon at that game like I I I think my emotions like if I I mean I was as close to emotionally invested in a game as I was unless it was an Illinois State game like this was like when they had the two uh end the game turnovers where the shot clock violations I was just like well, what are we doing and I'm, we go. and I thought I was just like man this is this is not going well you know, stepping up, making your free throws, just it, that we just got to start there. Yeah, absolutely. I'll kind of this is a where were you moment, I would say, probably for <laughs> a lot of uh, Purple Aces fans. But I th- feel like I have a kind of a funny one because I was flying back from Florida, um, went down there to be with family, and then also go to the Sunshine Slam. Um, and uh, my flight was at game time. And I landed when the game was over, and I tur- took my phone off of airplane mode, and my phone exploded. I was like, why do I have 20 text messages? My social media was blowing up. I was like, what happened? And lo and behold, the Purple Aces upset the number one team. It was, it was surreal. Um, it was one of those things that, like, I mean, I, I mean I'm going to say it. I had them third in the conference, so I feel real smart right now. When we get to Loyola, then we can talk about where I was wrong. <laughs> but um, I was just like, this was just so, it, it was like everything that you and I talked about with Evansville, like kind of being one of those kind of, this could be that up and coming season they could have. Everything just kind of finally came together. And like, I, I, it was funny. I remember one thing that I that kind of stood out to me was just like, 
uh, when we looked at the first three teams for the Valley, they didn't have K.J. Riley on it. And he had 18 points in the game, and he got to the free throw line eight times. And it was just like watching this game, and I saw him out there, and I was just like, I was like, yes, this is what I was talking about. Now I hope these Valley Riders are just like, wow, we forgot this guy. Yeah. Because um, he's going to score a lot of points. He's going to be one of the leading scorers in the Valley for sure, even with all the talent on Evansville. Um, it was an insane game. Um, we can go we can go up and down, but just uh, big picture for Evansville, where were you at? Advance. I mean, I mean, I'm excited because I think that we. I'm not by no means when I pat myself on the back. We're we're a week into college basketball season, but I think that um, it does validates like why we thought Evansville was going to be good this year. I mm-hmm. mean, I think we got to mention Sam come with uh, coming off the bench and uh, having it was 18 points. Yeah, he had a huge night or um, 17 points off the bench. Um, so just I mean, some of the names we've been talking about for since we've been doing this podcast just good to see some of that validation that we are they were who we thought they were sure, <laughs> um, sure. so i know i mean obviously we didn't expect them to be kentucky but right like, oh yeah the fact we're not saying we we picked them to be kentucky no, by any means but no, i'm glad but, that there's some sparks there no but we i mean like it is just it feels it makes me it, it kind of validates the the fact that i was so high on walter mccarty you know yeah. coming in as uh, a coach from like the you know the Brad Stevens, I guess, lineage, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that he, I, I, I was very confident in him coming in, and it was just, this is just awesome. You know, I kept trying to look for, like, a downside to this win, and I was like, oh, well, okay, they just caught UK looking ahead um, or anything like that. But, no, UK plays no one in the next three games. So it's not one of those we caught them sleeping type situations. Right. You know, they, Who they, does UK have in the next couple games? Um, Utah Valley. Okay. University, Mount St. Mary's, and then I think that's Lamar. Yeah, uh, so they don't have yeah. the uh, murderer's row schedule coming in. So, okay, yeah, I mean, this would have been uh, probably the toughest of those games. And um, it, The one thing, give Cal, I give Calipari a lot of credit. I mean, I listened to, his, listened to him after the game, and, I mean, he just owned it. I mean, they just, he said if we'd have won this game, we, would not, we were not the better team on the floor. So um, he was very high on Evansville as well. I, it's just, it's one of those crazy things. Now, and I'm going to say this now because hopefully Evansville doesn't lose. I uh, now we need to hope Evansville. And I'll, here, I'm going to go on a tangent here. We need to hope Evansville is the is undefeated going into Valley play. Yeah. And the reason I'm saying this is because right now, because Michigan State started the season as the number one team in the country, got mm-hmm. beat by Kentucky. Kentucky got beat by Evansville. So Evansville is your lineal number one team in the country. Oh, boy. So uh, boxing and MMA fans will know what I'm talking about out there. So the lineal number one team in the country, the Evansville Purple Aces, will defend that crown coming up against some D2 school, apparently, because they're taking the Southern Illinois approach to scheduling the basketball <laughs> games. But who do they have next? Kokomo or something? Oh, uh, yeah, University of Indiana, Kokomo. Uh, no disrespect to our friends over at Kokomo, but um, you're not Division One. I, I don't unless they are, I and I don't know are. it. Um, I'm going to assume that they're not, and you guys can chirp us if you'd like. Uh, but, yeah, uh, not a tough game. But uh, go, looking forward for Evansville, um, that game against SMU next week is going yeah. to be tough. But so, yeah, just reiterate, congrats to the Evansville Purple Aces. Go Valley. Way to shock the world. That was fun. No, that was, that was for sure awesome. So do we want to pivot and maybe talk? Um, so we're, that's the high of the Valley this week. Do we want to go to the low, which is likely Loyola dropping one at home to Coppin State? I mean, it's the combination of the loss to Furman for the second year in a row and the Coppin State loss. The Furman loss, you can kind of not necessarily justify, but it's not as bad just because you're on the road mm-hmm. against a decent team. 
The Coppin State game is pretty egregious. That's that's not a good loss. That is a really bad one. Um, I watched the second half of that game and it just it did not like it was just you never like it. Evan or Loyola would just kind of creep back, creep back, creep back. But like once they lost the lead, you just it it never felt like they were getting that lead back. Yeah, and. I mean, Krutwig had nine attempts um, at the goal. Um, I mean, he still had 18 points. He was six for nine. But in a game like that, sometimes you just got to take, take control. I don't think we're seeing a lot out of Williamson. Um, just really, I'm really disappointed in Williamson. But uh, it, it's just, it goes back to, I mean, you're, you're, Loyola's had just, the last two nights have just been, the last two games have been awful. You lost by 24 points to Furman, which you are not 24 points worse than Furman. And then you come home and you're a 22-point favorite um, against Coppin State, and you got just house. Or not house, but you got beat. Um, hats off to Juan Dixon. Didn't know he was coaching Coppin State. But yeah. uh, um, that, that's I, I that's a bad loss. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Go, big picture, I mean, where are you at? I know a couple listeners have kind of asked us about what our thoughts were, and we bring this up uh, a little later in the show with Harry. But um, uh, kind of your thoughts on the whole Mullins factor. I mean, this is this is kind of the thing that's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, by no means can I attribute, can we attribute this to Brian Mullins le- leaving, but uh, maybe some intensity, uh, maybe he brought something to the equation that's not there anymore. But, I mean, they are walking wounded. Um, you know, was it Cooper Cavus is yep. now out. And, and that's huge. The, he's their big three-point shooter. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think there's some injury issues there as well that you can, you know, um, attribute this slide too but at the end of the day they i mean losing to coppin state is not not, you can't excuse that right i'm I'm the excuse uh, the Furman game i can excuse a little bit the coppin state game i can't at home yeah let's um you want to stay down the dumps we can stay down the dumps so i watched a game on monday that i was uh really excited to watch i was excited to see how they would do um turns out cincinnati is really good (laughs) yeah um I think my takeaways from this is that I watched Drake and I don't I don't I don't come away from the game thinking Drake's a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little concerned with uh, Noah Thomas's minutes in the second half at the beginning of the second half. I don't know why he wasn't on the floor as much, but it felt like he didn't come in until midway through the the second half. I know Drake fans out there will tell me the, tell me what I'm wrong about there, but mm-hmm. um, it didn't feel like it was a game that you. It just felt like. Drake was overpowered um, from the time I was watching until the end, and it. Um, I, I think Cincinnati is a really good, a really good team. I think that they're actually much better than I gave them credit for. They should be a top twenty-five team this year. Um, so I guess without without the one of the Murphys still, yeah, out, that's that's where it's kind of you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's it's one of those games that you don't want to you don't want to put too much stock in. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't one of their best nights. But I actually do think Drake is still not a bad team. Uh, the flip side to this is scares me to death because mm-hmm. Cincinnati is playing Illinois State in the first round of their tournament. Right. Um, that Cincinnati team is pretty powerful because I, I can't think of his name, but he's one of the preseason All-Americans. He, the Cincinnati's loaded. Yeah. Um, so kind of staying down in the dumps, but not necessarily. It's more of an injury. Uh, maybe Valpo and Fizikis going down um, in his game. Probably another wrist uh, injury there. Um, not good for the Crusaders. Um, yeah, we talk a little bit. We we actually go pretty deep into Valpo, so I don't want to spend too much time on Valpo because we, we talk so much about him with Harry, but that is just kind of another down in the dumps. Um, yeah, but they, you know what? They're 2-1. and one. They had a bad yeah. loss. The, the loss in State at SLU was not a bad loss. No, they, not at they all. They were competitive in that game. Um, 
So I think it's kind of a we'll see how they how f- what happens with Fazekas and um, whether when he comes back. Yep. Um, so let's let's warm back up. Um, let's go to Northern Iowa. We've kind of said they're uh, they're the standard. They're playing well. Um, great win over Old Dominion. Are they flying under the radar? Kind of. I us? think they it's are. Like they are. Are they like the quietest three and zero? Absolutely. In the country um, wins over Old Dominion, uh, Northern Illinois, and um, Cal State Bakersfield. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, they are. They're the standard of the valley, in mm-hmm. my opinion, and uh, playing well and. Um, it's not that we don't want to talk about them, but they are who we think they were going to be. Sure, and and I think it's I, I agree. I mean, it's they're looking. Uh, there's not really much to say about this because I don't have I don't want to sit here and tell you what's been going on in the games because I really haven't been watching them. Yeah. I only caught minutes here or there. I was going to catch more yesterday, but yep. um, with our interview with Harry, I, I didn't have a chance to watch as much. But I mean, just kind of the uh, the optics of the whole thing with Northern Iowa, it just looks like they're taking care of business. Exactly. Um, uh, Haldeman, I know, has had had some good. Had been playing really well, AJ Green, obviously. So um, I think it's going to be one of those teams that, as the competition ramps up, that it'll you'll get to see more of them. Uh, it doesn't look like in their next handful of games they don't play a really tough game until they play West Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, which that game is, I believe, is one, that's the uh, Cancun game, right? Yeah, it's um, yeah, I mean it's r- close to Thanksgiving, so it yep, has to be so that so yeah. so right now looking at their schedule, they should go three and zero in their ne- next three. Um, get to six and zero going into that tournament. Maybe they'll get pull the shockers in that second round of that tournament. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of one of those things that uh, right now. I just I don't think the jury's out, but I think they're just confirming that they're going to be one of those teams for the top. That because they're taking also, care of business compared to other teams. And it's also you and I at the beginning of the season. They're always good in non-conference, and then something happens in conference play. Yeah, so but you know, like, in the last couple of years, just to check you on that, the yeah. last couple of years non-conference they haven't been as good. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of the turnaround thing we talked about when we did the Northern Iowa preview. Was like. They needed to start off strong because of, I mean, let's face it, they had a losing record last yep. year. Um, they fit, played for the Valley title, but they had a losing record. So um, uh, that's that's really all I got to say about Northern. I mean, do you have anything else to say about Northern? Nothing Just about kind of like I, I really look forward to the West Virginia game. Yes, absolutely. I think that's where we're really going to find out what this team exactly is. Yep. Um, I know a team that you're got to be excited about that's on the up. The your Redbirds. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Coach Muller, the, the bag of tricks. Are you kidding me? I, How I pumped are you right now? I would say you're you're overachieving right now. Of course we are. Are you kidding me? I like okay. I I can tell you this right now from the whole Little Rock thing. Um, that was the seeing Little Rock play Illinois State. Uh, I was happy because that seems like a very comparable team for Illinois State to beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after watching that game, I still am head scratching why Missouri State lost at home to that team. Mm-hmm. Because I still think Missouri State's a better team than Illinois State. Uh, that being said, Illinois State has a great win over Belmont. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a they took care of business against Little Rock at home. Uh, they have a big game this weekend against UCF. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. But I kind of overall I, I'm over the moon. We got a it's a deep team. It's a it's a very much a team and not kind of a one man show here or there. I, I don't know your kind of your thoughts on on the birds. I, I I'm obviously I'm going to be higher on them than most, but. Um, kind of. Do you have any thoughts really on uh, Illinois State right now? Um, I, I, I really just kind of what I led with is they're overachieving. They're, I had thought you would not even be in the game with Belmont, so that told mm-hmm. me um, a lot. But you haven't played on the road yet, so I think that's going to be very. That's telling. true, you guys and are I mean RBA is solid a, at RBA. RBA is as tough a building to play in the country. I mean Grand Canyon, bite your tongue. RBA is about as tough as it gets. Yep. 
Um, I'm joking, obviously. But RBAs, I mean, it's, it's tough to come into Redbird Arena and get a win. I, I, th it is kind of cool what they do. They actually have the student sections on both ends of the floor, so it kind of adds to the atmosphere and uh, making it a more difficult place to play. Uh, it's funny. Dan Muller was actually, uh, he was kind he was he was in the news or he had a radio interview, and I know it got picked up from people. Uh, he was kind of disappointed in the attendance, which uh, Redbird fans get to the games, mm -hmm. number one. But uh, I, I, I'm kind of... This is one of those times where I'm actually going to kind of disagree with Dan Muller. Um, you have a fan base that hasn't been to an NCAA tournament in, what, 21 years? You, uh, I think you kind of need to win them back before you start talking about attendance not being up and coming off a seventh place in the Valley finish last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, coming out and saying that, you know, where's the attendance and kind of calling out your fans and even saying that our schedule is is really good this year, which it's not as good as it has been in past years. Kind of, what are your thoughts on that? Um, at the end of the day, where my head falls on that, I don't think in the Valley we have that luxury um, to make it. What do you mean? I don't think we have the luxury to call it our fans. Um, we're not Alabama, LSU, any of those schools. Like, yeah, get to the game. We have a premier, this is what you live your life around. Um, and, and, and I think that winning cures a lot of those things. So, unfortunately, I Dan, I don't think you're on the, we, we built something here. Um, side of the coin you're you need to win first for the fans to come out and this has always been my thing with illinois state fans just in general you're a <laughs> lackadaisical fan base in my opinion um there is some bias there i will say that but you lackadaisical in what way in the way that you're not you don't expect to win championships you're happy if you happen to win the regular season there's no expectations and i don't think that you guys back the Redbirds as much as you think you do. Um, th that's just my innocent bystander opinion that you're okay with the status quo. Okay, so you're, you're so okay. That's that's probably the best way for me to say it. Is okay. You're okay with the status quo. So personally, I'm not. I, no, I, 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 I've, I'm. I think it's I'm generalizing a fan base. But I actually do agree with you that there is a really a maybe not the majority, but there is a strong contingent of the fan base which would be fine to make the NIT. Yes. Fine, just having a solid year in the Valley, having a competitive team, and that be done. Um, to me personally, you got to have a really good product on the court, and you need to, like it's it's mm -hmm. high time you make a tournament. Uh, yep. You are the yep. You are the longest drought in the Valley. Yeah. That is a ridiculous statement, but it's true. Um, but yeah, back to Dan Muller. I uh, love you, Dan Muller. Um, I will defend you till the end, but that's not a comment I'm a real big fan of. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, uh, is there anything uh, so around, around just, the valley? Yeah, the only thing that's that sticks out is just Indiana State's 0-2. They're the only Valley team that hasn't won a game, given they've played Dayton and Louisville. So those are two high-quality teams. But I just think when you look at win-loss records, they're the only team that... The the Indiana State game against Louisville last night, I was actually impressed in the second half. They came out and actually shot the ball really well. I think they were on a 14-2 run to start the second half. Looked like they were kind of getting back into the game, and then I just was Louisville overpowered. Yeah. Louisville, Louisville's a really good team. I think I, I was, I want to say Dick Vitale said, I mean, book it as a Final Four team. Yeah. Uh, just the other day in an interview, so uh, you're, it, it's a tough game, especially coming after an Evansville upset the night before. Yeah. Uh, Louisville was probably thinking to themselves, uh, we're not letting that happen yeah. to us. And I mean, Indiana State went to Dayton and only lost by five. Dayton has a lottery pick, NBA prospect, mm -hmm. um, with Tobin. Third, third place predicted to be in the A-10, which yeah. is uh, solid, obviously a solid league. And yep. So I, I don't, that's not, I think that's that's a fine yeah, competitive loss. I think now, at the, now though, if if you're Indiana State, uh, and I'm not exactly sure, I'm kind of pulling up here who they've got coming up. Um, you know, your Ball State, that's a game you got to try to win. Duquesne, 
uh, Loyal Marymount Air Force. Um, winnable ball games coming up for for Indiana State. This is where you kind of need to kick it into gear and uh, get that done. Uh, other than that, um, Bradley taking care of business with uh, IUPUI over the weekend. Um, you you really like to see that. I, I hope that uh, you look at uh, Bradley's schedule. Uh, they don't really play anyone very good until after the Northwestern kicks. I don't think Northwestern's even that good no, this year. No, they're not. I think they're um, in the cellar. But I think and looking at their schedule, I mean, you should win your next four games. And I can't remember who the other two teams are in that um, foursome tournament that they are in. I don't know if you know off the top of your head. I don't. But uh, looking at Bradley, I think it's just you had that loss with St. Joe's, but now it's time to just take care of business um, going forward. But uh, otherwise, I, I think we're uh, I think that we're there's one team that we haven't mentioned yet, and uh, correct, yeah. So um, as the listeners might remember, I was heading in the last episode. I was heading down the Sunshine Slam. Um, it was a good event, uh, strange location in that I think it was a rodeo arena, and so really? yeah. Um, when you <laughs> sent when you sent a picture of the outside of it, it looked like I was like that's the, that's an arena. It kind of looks like a yeah. a converted Chuck E. Cheese. So it was Silver Spur <laughs> Arena in Kissimmee, Florida. Um, I'm pretty sure they do rodeo stuff there. Uh, so hey, they, nothing wrong with that. They had half of it uh, curtained off, and there was legitimately probably 500 people in attendance there, but. Baker, the Mullins factor is real. Like, it was exciting. Of the 500 people at the game, uh, 400 of them were Saluki fans. Um, so there's, su- that's a great sign. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I'm super excited. Even though, so the dogs went one and two on that tournament. Uh, beat UT uh, San Antonio, lost to Delaware and Oakland. I went to I saw the first victory. Um, so I was at the UT San Antonio game, and then I went to the Delaware game the next day. And then uh, logistics with travel, I, I just couldn't make it to the Oakland game. Um, I. I think just my concerns at the beginning of the season were we were going to struggle offensively were confirmed. Um, just we, we're playing great defense. Um, I, it's just good to see the intensity. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the X's and O's or the stats, but just this team and the atmosphere around the Salukis feels different and different in a very positive way. And so that's kind of how I'm going to leave the Salukis is that there's a lot to look forward to. Mullins is gonna have them to go um i got to talk to brian a couple times and um i was excited to see how down he was after a loss he was like i i expected to win all these games um bummed that he did and so that's the intensity you want to say you want to see out of your head coach so um very excited for where this loogie program's going um and we'll see so so looking so so seeing the salukis in person a couple times i gotta ask um, what are your kind of thoughts on the guys on the team, uh, the roster-wise? Um, is there is there a guy that's standing out to you? Is there anything yeah. that's disappointing to you? Um, just kind of talk about some of the players. I mean, not necessarily give me stats or anything. Yeah. But just what stood out to you? Is there a guy out there who's going to be your defensive stopper? Like, score? who's going to score the best? Yeah. So, I like, um, so we have two seniors, Aaron Cook and Eric McGill. Who I love Aaron Cook, by the way. So that confirmed how much I think – um, Aaron Cook is going to lead this team. Um, I think the more they get into their offensive sets and get more of a, of a gelling together. Whenever I interviewed a couple of the, the players after the games, they said that they just haven't fully gelled yet as a team, and they're still working on that, which is why I'm glad they went and played three games in three days to hopefully build some more of that camaraderie on the court. Definitely. Um, so I, he mentioned that multiple times. I was like, we're still trying to gel, still trying to gel. And that I thought that, you know, really for a senior leader uh, st- stuck out to me. Um, 
I think my surprise that we thought was going to be good, but I didn't know how good he was going to be, was Marcus Domask, um, uh, the freshman starter for the Salukis in the UTSA game. Um, I think he was one of the players of the game um, in his opening um, game. So um, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, I think, in the Valley for years to come. Um, it was exciting in the UTSA game. We started on a 15-0 run. I, mean, <laughs> I saw was, that. I was just like, <laughs> I mean, here we go. Yeah, and uh, so there's the offensive's there. It's just not consistently there. Um, uh, a lot of that was just because I think our intensity on defense was getting the stops we needed. Domask um, had 24 in that. Yes, game. yeah. I mean, so, so that was a nice little coming out party for him. Um, but I also think teams saw that and keyed on in the next few games. Thoughts on Barrett Benson? I know that he was kind of a polarizing player coming in as a player that a lot of people were either high on or really low on coming into this season. Uh, it looks like he didn't have a too bad. He hasn't had too bad of a start to the season. Uh, give me thoughts on him out there, Jalen, with the team. Or is it kind of is it too early to tell? Not too early to tell, in my opinion. Okay. Um, so a lot of screen and roll at the top of the key from him, um, but. The thing that I think he does, so I'm going to compare him to Pippen from last year. Um, I think he finishes better than Pippen. Really? Um, so okay. I just think he can get to the rim and actually finish, uh, which was always somewhat of a struggle for Pippen at times. And so that's what I really like Benson. Um, and I can't wait for um, Suggs to kind of compliment that, that duo. Are you guys playing with a short bench right now? We are. Okay. Um, yeah, so. Because uh, just looking at your stats, uh, just to give everybody background, I'm looking at the Southern Illinois stats as, as Vance is talking there, and I'm just like, are we playing with a short bench? Because, I mean, it looks like in in Florida you were only playing with, what, nine guys? Yeah, so um, Ronnie Suggs, the Mizzou transfer, did not play any games. Uh, still nursing an injury there. And then we're waiting on uh, Carrington Davis to come back um, as well. So okay. we've got a couple impact guys we expect to join the team. Um, and Dimbley, sorry, I forgot about him. Um, another uh, six, seven guy that's going to help us in, on the interior and give Benson kind of a, a, a blow whenever he needs it. So, yeah, we're, we're playing a little bit. We're walking a little wounded. Um, so, so kind of putting a bow on Southern Illinois, are you – I know you're obviously excited about Mullins and everything like that but and the program's direction, but let's just keep it to this team specifically. Let's put a bow on this. Are you more or less confident in them winning ball games in the Missouri Valley going forward, kind of – uh, where is your confidence? Did your confidence go up seeing them in person? Did it go down? Where where are we at just on the team itself, the players on the floor? Uh, my confidence went up okay. uh, after seeing them in person. Just and that's good. Pure intensity. Sure. Um, the talents there for what we were able to, um, for lack of a better term, scrape together. What what great job Mons's coaching staff did to bring in players mm -hmm. to win this season. So my confidence level is up, um, mm -hmm. and it's only going to improve. I think as we get more. Um, of those key players that didn't play this weekend um, out on the on the floor. No, I think it's I, th I think for me especially just from kind of the outside looking in it it looks like this is the kind of thing that you're going to when things are looking positive this early for a brand new coach with a ton of new players on the team you you've got to be excited going forward. Yep. All right, so that's been kind of where the Valley is right now. Um, you know, we're really excited that uh, the next part of the episode will be our interview with uh, Harry Schrader. All right, we are excited to be joined by Harry Schrader from ValleyHoopsInsider.com. Uh, Baker and myself are here as well. How are we doing today, Harry? Uh, spectacular. Love being with you guys. Yeah, so uh, for the listeners, it is Wednesday night, so the, uh, the upset of uh, the Evansville Aces over the UK Wildcats has happened, just to give our uh, listeners an idea of what point in time we're actually talking here on this Wednesday evening. But before we jump into that, um, Harry, 
obviously you're passionate about the Valley. If you're going to write from the Mo Valley perspective on valleyhoopsinsider.com, but um, how'd you come about uh, your interest in the Valley? Well, I live here in St. Louis where the tournament is, of course. And uh, for years did a lot of radio sports and announcing in college and high school football and basketball and whatnot. And man, for probably seven, eight years in a row, I announced virtually every one of the Arch Madness games on local radio here in St. Louis. And then like a local radio station, you know, bought the rights away from the people that I was working for. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So I decided to start writing about them instead of talking about them. And so that's been started doing games back in 98, 99 and been writing about them for probably about the last six years or so. So that's how love the Valley have loved the Valley for 20 years, you know, and, and uh, that's how we got launched at a lot of high school and college basketball and football announcing too. So it just was a natural place for me to, to migrate to. So are you, um, is a Valley team one of your alma mater or is it truly professional? That's how you picked up your interest in it. Totally, because they were based here, and I covered a tournament or two for a, a, you know a local radio station, also for a regional network, and and just fell in love with the league. You know the novelty of that mid-major league that's trying to climb a mountain against the big boys, like we saw last night with Evansville and Kentucky. Just fell in love with it. Love the people that are running it. Think they're just incredible people, and so yeah, I just kind of really aligned myself with them. Like I said, maybe eighteen, twenty years ago. For sure. Uh, so, Harry, I, I guess the one thing that I want to jump into first uh, with you is uh, I know you've seen Valpo a couple of times so far this year. Right. Um, and, and kind of the topical issue with them is obviously uh, the Fazekas injury. Uh, is there any, uh, first off, before we get deeper into them, any info you know on Fazekas? Do we have any uh, real update? I know Lottich said he's out for the foreseeable future, I think is what he said. Uh, I, I, do you have any background? I knew you were there on uh, was it uh, Saturday when he actually got hurt at St. Louis. Yeah, and he got hurt, well, I mean, for me, unfortunately, on the opposite side of the basketball goal. I couldn't see him go down, uh, but he was obviously in tons of pain. And and I've, like, posted the picture twice on Twitter of him sitting on the bench grabbing his wrist. They won't even tell people it's his wrist. I mean, th- these guys act like they're the National Hockey League or something. You know, <laughs> it, it's an upper body injury, you know. And and so uh, he said last night, Matt, Matt, Matt Loddick did, uh, well, because of HIPAA laws, I can't say anything. He's going to be out for a while. I'm like, whatever, you know, but so anyway, yeah, I mean, they're, they're just like to keep people in the dark, but he went down on a hump. He drew a charge. He got the call, uh, but hurt his wrist really badly. And, you know, we were there and watched him get taken to the locker room. And then I was going out at halftime of the game there at St. Louis U and there he is sitting at the back door in a wheelchair. They were taking him to the hospital to have him looked at. So all of a sudden I had to run back to my computer and tweet out that he was leaving the building and going to the hospital. But um, so he wasn't even with the team last night. He had gone back to Valparaiso, I assume. And so he wasn't with the team at SIU Edwardsville last night. Oh, wow. So, um, so that was after the game that you saw him, uh, heading to the hospital in the wheelchair? That was halftime of the St. Louis oh, U game. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so, hey, you know, I know you saw uh, Valpo last night. What other teams, uh, have you seen in person this year? Well, we went up to Illinois State and saw the Redbirds take on the Belmont Bruins. And, and uh, you know, Baker and I were talking about, you know, they look terrible in one half and great in the second half. And that's exactly how Dan Muller rated their performance. Awful in the first, really good in the second. And uh, so I saw them play the other night uh, and then so I've, I've seen Valpo twice, you know. So 
Um, a number of Valley teams pass through this area, obviously, you know, playing St. Louis U and some of them will drop in and play SIUE Edwardsville, which is easy for me to get to as well. A couple of weeks, I'm going to go down to uh, Murray State, uh, Missouri State, rather, to see them play Murray State. And so I try to get out and get to a number of places every year. Oh, that's nice. So that means you get to kind of hit the Ohio Valley versus Missouri Valley. So kind of kill two birds with one stone on that one. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I so, love that part of it. So I know, you know, <clears throat> in our conversation, and, and it's for our listeners, uh, Harry and I were talking at halftime at the Illinois State Belmont game, and we could not have been, it was just like, the tale of two halves. If our con- our conversation was like the exact opposite of when it ended up at that night, but I kind of, uh, but the I guess I'll start with uh, Valpo just because I know you see them twice and they're so fresh with you. Um, a little bit of thoughts on them. I, I know that uh, physique is going down is is definitely a blow for them, but uh, kind of talk about your initial impressions of them. I know uh, Freeman Liberty's having a, a solid start to the season. Kind of where do you the, I, the Toledo win for me was was a very was a big win because I mean that's a that's a quality ball club. Um, kind of your thoughts on Valpo? Well, it, it, it was it was a great win for them, and and they gave St. Louis U all they wanted, you know, when they were here as well, even without having Fazekas for a half. And all of the St. Louis people, I'll, I'll give you their take. The St. Louis U people were like, "Wait, I thought they were supposed to be one of the bad teams in the Valley. The Valley must be great this year." I mean, that's what all the St. Louis U people were saying because. Valparaiso had played them so tough. Uh, Daniel Sackey, of course, is lightning fast and is going to terrorize people both defensively and, and blowing by people offensively. Freeman Liberty is so active defensively. Last night he had 30 against uh, SIUE, but um, probably half his points came on offensive rebounds and putbacks. I mean, he's just active. And and so those two are going to really give people a hard time in the backcourt. I've been surprised, frankly, how little Aaron Gordon is playing and, and how effective he's being because he's not being very effective yet. I'm surprised that Malik McMillan is starting, uh, but he's kind of the biggest guy they've got. Uh, last night, Donovan Clay started uh, Fazekas with the injury, and then they've been kind of starting John Kaiser since then. But but uh, Donovan Clay started last night because he was close to home probably. And, and so – I think Donovan Clay is going to be a player by the end of the year. And if they can get Gordon going, I think they're going to be solid because Nick Robinson's a really good player. I, but everything really hinges on Fazekas injury. If he's out a long time, meaning like hurting them in the in the Valley season, I think they have problems. But but if he can come back, I think, I you know, all along I've been saying I think they're going to really surprise people. For sure. And I know that I kind of going back to our conversation, you were you were definitely excited to see him play. So that's a. A huge bummer for them. Uh, I guess the other team that you saw, obviously, I'm going to be super biased about, and I'm uh, obviously extremely happy that they're two and zero. Is Illinois State, <laughs> and uh, I mean, what a what a difference a half makes. They've uh, it seems like they're very they're very deep. They have a lot of guys that can play, but I mean, you still I think wonder how good they are as the competition ramps up. I know Belmont's a good win, but um, with UCF on the horizon in Cincinnati, uh, kind of your thoughts on the Redbirds? Are they you know is that a team that you think maybe could uh, buck expectations a little bit and kind of finish toward the top, the upper half of the valley. Um, are you still kind of in that wait and see mode? I, I'm probably in between only because there's no doubting I'm a big Dan Muller fan, and so that that's a problem for me. I, I, I look at the team with Redbird glasses on because I like Dan so much. Um, that said. They, you know, they're going to fi- have to figure out some things, you know, is Njai or they're, I think they're calling him Jai, um, you know, is he really an answer inside uh, the Adowu? 
you know, can he really handle things inside? He's had a good start to it. But I think Copeland has really figured it out. And so I'm excited about his play and, and what he's going to be able to do. Obviously, if they can get Chastain back healthy, that's going to make a difference for them. But Baker, I think you're right. They're so deep. I like deep teams. And, and I, I'm in the middle of writing a story about them right now for my website. And they've got nine or ten guys that are averaging double digits in minutes with Chastain not playing. And Berninga, uh, Berninga isn't one of them. But he's giving them a lift, too. So really... I mean, they're they're a team that's got 11 players that can legitimately play. And I think that that's really a challenge for other teams. And what we've already seen in just two games uh, is that their offense is better. You know, the ball used to go just die in that black hole named Malik uh, Yarbrough <laughs> and, uh, you know, loved his talent and, and all of that. But but he was a guy that just had to dominate the ball. They haven't had a point guard since Paris Lee graduated. And so now I think with, uh, you know, being able to have Ricky Torres run the point, I think they've got a chance to really be an explosive offensive team. And they're not super good defensively yet, but I think they'll get better. And so, yeah, I think they're going to be a team that's going to surprise people too. I've been saying that about every team in the Valley, which, which I know it sounds terrible. My, my point in saying that is I think the whole league is better. And so I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the various teams shake out against one another. Northern Iowa is better than they were. I think Southern Illinois is going to struggle, but I think they're better than people think. So I think it's going to be a highly competitive league. And I was on with a radio station a week or so ago, and they said, so, Harry, I guess it's Loyola's to lose, right, until they lose. And I said, no, they're not going to be very good this year. And, and I don't think they are going to be very good. I think they're going to struggle. And so I think that's the big flip going down the pattern is Loyola will struggle and go downward a bit. No, we'll definitely uh, look forward to uh, reading that article about the Redbirds. Uh, Going to plug here again, ValleyHoopsInsider.com. Um, so I think for year for the last at least two seasons, we've said parity in the Valley. And, right. you know, this is now the third year of probably saying that. But I do think that the ceiling keeps going up and the floor keeps going up. So, you know, parity is a good thing in the Valley as long as um, – the play continues to improve and the competition continues to improve. Are you, are you still seeing that? Well, I think that this year, I think last year the league was down. Uh, you know, we, we did have great parity. It was a fun race to watch, but you know, they just didn't beat anybody in the non-conference last year. I think their record was something like two and 18 against power five schools. They didn't beat any, any top ranked team, any top 25 ranked teams. And they weren't, that just wasn't a very good league last year. I mean, I'm a Valley apologist, no doubt. And it was just Same here. maybe one of the worst years they've had in a, in a long, long time. That said, I think this is a different year. And obviously the Evansville win last night, you know, bolsters that. I think the Illinois State win against Belmont, uh, you know, bolsters that as well. And, and so I think they've already got a couple more wins than they had last year against quality opponents. As you guys remember, Illinois State got, you know, beat pretty easily by Belmont last year. And, and so oh, I uh, remember. <laughs> so there's still plenty of games. Right. But but I think the early signs are really, really good. And, and right. And, and like I said, Northern Iowa already beat a pretty decent uh, Virginia Commonwealth, uh, not Virginia Commonwealth, uh, Old Dominion team. And so I, I, yeah, I think they're going to be better. So, yeah, I think the. I think the ceiling is def. I mean, the floor is definitely better. Going back to what you said, Vance, that that the bottom is better. We might not have a Final Four team on the, right. you know, in, in, in the league this year. But I think overall, I think the whole league is better. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously no one saw Evansville going to Rupp Arena and winning. No <laughs> one saw that. I was honestly a little bit bummed as a Saluki fan because last year we were leading at half, and I thought we won the national championship uh, when we did that <laughs> last year, but yet alone the Aces went there and actually won. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're a weekend, or a little over a weekend, and, you know, it's kind of the overreaction time of the year for, you know, those diehard fans that are in there from day one. Do you have any surprises after the first week that really stick out to you? Well, I do think I, I mentioned Aaron Gordon. I kind of ex- have been expecting more from him. And and while I said I don't think Loyola is going to be that great this year, I'm surprised at how poorly they are playing so far. Um, they just haven't gelled yet. And they've got a lot of new guys and a number of freshmen playing in key spots. So, you know, maybe that'll shake out. I mean, I'm, you know, big believer in Porter Moser. So I'm sure they'll get better. But they're they're kind of stumbling out of the gate, but it's two years in a row they've lost to Furman. And so maybe that's not a mistake. Maybe that's just Furman's better. You know, they've won 20, 25 games the last three years in a row. So they're a pretty good program. Uh, but I just don't think a Valley team should be losing, you know, an upper level Valley team should be losing to to Furman. And I think they've, they've had a couple of other bad losses the league has as well, while we're, bra- you know, praising some of the good wins. They've had a couple of hiccups, you know, Loyola losing to Coppin State last night. I mean, it's just awful, you know. So so I think those kinds of things, uh, I keep waiting for Lucas Williamson to just be great at Loyola, and he just isn't yet, you know, and, and I'm a big fan of his. I think he's going to be a really a good player, but he just hasn't emerged yet. And so I think those are the big things. Um, you know, your your Southern Illinois squad, I think, is going to be a very interesting study all year long. They're still waiting for two guys to get, you know, in the lineup. And uh, But I think people in Carbondale and around the league are going to love what Brian Mullins does there because he's just that guy, I think. Yeah, I'll interject just real quick. Um, you know, I was down at the Sunshine Slam, and you know, it's one of those small exempt tournaments. There was maybe right. 500 people in the stands, um, but when the first, actually, all three days or two days, I was only there for two of the three days. Um, but of the 500 people, let's just say in the stands, 400 of them were Saluki fans. And when <laughs> I talked to some of the players after the game and getting some audio for our podcast, that they they just couldn't believe it. They walked out and they're like is that an SIU chant going on? And we're running out in Orlando or Kissimmee, Florida of all places. And I do think the Mullins factor is real. Um, and I do think that, uh, the, the Southern Illinois, the Southern Illinois faithful will be out in droves, uh, ready to support this team. And, you know, as me and Baker have said from the beginning, I do think that will will us to some wins when the talent might be lacking. in in, in some cases, uh, we're strong defensively after watching them for two games. Um, we, we do struggle offensively or just go on streaks where, you know, we can't find the hoop. Um, but yeah, it'll be a very in, interesting year for the Salukis. Well, and I think when Carrington Davis gets back in the lineup and, and Dembele is a guy they were, that Barry Henson was very high on and, and Brian is yep. too. And so those two guys are difference makers, you know, at this level and at this stage of the development of the program as well. And um, listen, a guy like Brian Mullins, all he's ever do is done his whole life is win and succeed. And those kind of guys have a tendency to keep winning and keep succeeding, you know, and so. I think they're going to be a handful come Valley season. You asked about surprises. I've been surprised, uh, you know, at the uh, terrible first game for Missouri State, and they have struggled more than I thought they would. I know it's early, and they've got a ton of new guys. And I've also been surprised at how few people have been at their games. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, uh, you know, I've watched a little bit of on, on 
some platforms, wherever it is, I've been able to find them. And there's like nobody in the stands for their home games. And I'm like, you know, this is your team. This is the team that everybody's saying is the best team in the league and, and, and people aren't showing up. But I know it's early, but those are the kinds of things as a as a watcher, I think. Come on, folks, get on get on board. You know, this is supposed to be a great team. So uh, those are some of the surprise things that I think about, too. I think at home, I just pulled it up. Well, see, now I can't even do the averages. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the uh, yeah, I think they need more people in the stands. Yeah, it's a kind of surprising because I mean that if every year you're going to have a lot of buzz around Missouri State. I mean, this is a good year to have it. But I, maybe maybe it's a situation where a couple like a couple of years ago when they had uh, when they had the team with Alize Johnson where they were pretty, right. picked to finish pretty high, they kind of disappointed. So uh, you never know. But hopefully, as the season goes on, they win some games and they can kind of get some buzz. Uh, one thing I wanted to throw out at you is you can we kind of touched on Mullins there and we touched on the struggles for Loyola. Do you think that maybe the Loyola – so I think there's kind of two questions there with, with Loyola. It's Cooper Kafis being hurt. I think you lose right. the three-point shot with him. In big the big. But um, I know we've actually – I know Vance and I have actually heard from a lot of fans that wonder, um, is there a, a bit of a issue with not having Brian Mullins on the bench? Was he um, – is maybe his influence not being there on the bench? Is that kind of affecting the team? I, I, maybe a new staff with Porter Mosier uh, have to replace him? I Kind of talk about that. Do you, do you kind of see a connection there at all, or do you think it's kind of too early to really look into that? You know, not being close enough to it, I don't know. Clearly, uh, Brian is a guy that helped recruit, and, got, and and Brian is a guy that helped their defense, and, and he's a motivator. So, you know, the, the math equation means that they <laughs> lost something, right? You know? Sure. And, and, and Porter seems to lose a, a coach every year or a couple of them every year because he gets good guys in. He encourages them. He helps them figure it out. And then they go and get better jobs. I mean, he's doing exactly what he wants to do. He wants everybody that's on his team to succeed in some way, shape or form, which means, though, you have turnover. Muller has the same problem. He has guys I was just gonna all say, the time Dan and Muller, go get better Dan jobs. Effect, yeah. it's, and, it's, and so I mean, we had Yaklich and Dana Ford, two examples yeah. right there. I was talking to somebody the other day about Yaklich. I'm like, why doesn't he have a head coaching job? But he's now the assistant head coach or associate head coach, whatever they call him, at Texas. <laughs> yeah, he's and, doing okay, uh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so he's probably making as much there as most of the Valley head coaches are making. So he's probably fine. But the uh, but I do think when you lose a great assistant coach, it, it you know, you lose something. I mean, Porter will figure it out even if they've lost something. But but the math adds up, right? After a while, you you're you're missing one of those voices, one of those motivators, one of those – guys that has taken players under their wing and, and kind of helped them out. But yeah, Kafis not being there is a, is a bigger deal than I think people realize. Cause obviously they know the big names that they lost, but they were expecting Kafis to step in and, and be one of those guys. And he just hasn't been. And they, and they expected Keith Clemens and Marquise Kennedy to be big, important players. And Clemens hasn't played yet uh, a freshman, outstanding freshman guard that they have. So you know, they, I might be too hard on them too early because they, they need to get him back. Oh, I don't think Franklin, Franklin Agunani is that big of a factor, but he's out too. So, you know, your numbers start changing guys have different roles. So they still have to sort that out. I don't know how big a factor Brian not being there is, but, but he's part of the factor, I think. Yeah. And I mean, it's just something to kind of think about just because, I mean, uh, you, you kind of look at the math, I mean, he's gone. So now, now what do we have? But I think with, with kind of what you're saying, even though things don't look a little bleak right now, 
Cameron Crutwig is still such a quality basketball player. I think that he's going to be enough, and eventually as the season goes on, they'll get more comfortable. Um, kind of pivoting a quick question for you about kind of both valleys as a whole. I know Vance and I kind of beat around this question just in our own time. You hear rumors about expansion and conference realignment. I know that, you know, Murray State is constantly rumored with the Missouri Valley as well as you always hear Belmont here and there. Uh, do you hear anything about that? Uh, do, you, do you ever, do you, across your travels, I mean, does anybody still talk about that a lot or is that just more fans kind of drubbing up interest in maybe a team like Murray State? Because, I mean, for me personally, I thought Murray State was kind of uh, made sense as that 11th school if you want to go in that direction. Well, back when they expanded, not expanded, but replaced Wichita with, with Loyola, um, a lot, Murray was hot. I mean, they really wanted to be in the Valley. And uh, they were campaigning to get into the Valley. And why, why the Missouri Valley didn't take them, I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy to me. That has all died down. The, the, the Missouri Valley guys, the President's Council did a year-long study, research, meetings, and they've just pretty much, for now at least, decided to know if they're going to be a 10-team league. And so I think that is a, a dead issue for today. Um, you know, with the players going to start getting money and the Power Five and Six and Seven conferences maybe becoming their own thing someday, who knows? I mean, all kinds of realignment could take place. And, and then the wild card is this. UConn's leaving wherever they're at. They're the American, and they're going back to the Big East. Well, both of those conferences are going to have number issues. Yeah. So what's going to happen at American and the Conference USA? There'll be there'll be a trickle down, and and who knows where Loyola ends up? If I can say it that way, if some other realignment kinds of things happen around them, not so much because the Valley wants to change, but because other leagues change, and so I could see Loyola ending up in the Conference USA or the A10 or one of those conferences mm -hmm. as things shake out, and then all of a sudden, man, you got to look back at Murray, Kentucky, if you're the Missouri Valley. For sure. And, and, and you know what, to be honest with you, it was kind of always for me, I didn't really, I felt like the Valley was kind of being reactive instead of proactive. I kind of wish we would have uh, thought to themselves, you know, let's get add three instead of one. And, right. you know, let's get to a 12 team league where we can get the, the best quality teams that we have. But um, it's, it's just, it's kind of interesting to, to kind of see what has happened. I know, um, a lot of people, you know, look at Valpo and they've have, have had their struggles since they entered the Valley. I mean, I, I personally, I think we're, I think everything's going to be fine. I think Valpo is, I think they're just kind of getting their footing. And you looked at Loyola the first couple of years, it wasn't necessarily the prettiest site when they joined right. the Valley, but they obviously got it going. I, do you think Valpo's pretty good fit though, as uh, as that 10th team? Well, I do think they are. I mean, geographically, they obviously match very well. I mean, they're in Indiana, but they're near Chicago. And so they're, you know, they're good travel partners for a lot of the schools. And and I think they fit. I mean, I just, they're, you know, they have a lower level football. They're not even at the level that the Missouri Valley Football Conference is. Uh, but they're basketball centric. And yeah, and I think they'll get it together. And I think they're a great fit. I'm with you, though. I wanted the Valley to run up to 12 teams, and I was really hoping they'd get Murray and Belmont. Belmont didn't want to leave the Ohio Valley. They were just like, listen, we just got here like three years ago. We don't want to change again. But there were some schools, I thought, that were good fits as well. Like UW-Milwaukee is a gigantic school, and their basketball isn't great right now. But they're a gigantic school. They're like Missouri State, meaning they're 25,000, 30,000 kids. And, 
that could be a you know a tremendous fit in terms of both geography and a larger school and so forth. I thought there were a number of schools that looked really interesting. There was talk about Western Kentucky coming, which would have been incredible. Uh, but they ended up deciding on 10 and decided Valpo was the one almost because uh, the Crusader program was kind of the one that they left off the time before. And yeah, so, it's always... Yeah, it, it's been so interesting because I always felt like there's always been a stress on the private-public split in right. the Valley. And yeah. um, I, I just don't know how much validity that has, you know, when it comes to alignment. Um, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this with you being the St. Louis region. Um, is there any chance SLU would uh, ever um, take a phone call from the Valley again? You know, that's a great question. Uh, my immediate answer is no. The, the SLU people think they're above that. Now, that said, they're in the Atlantic 10, which if you look at all the metrics, the Atlantic 10 and the Missouri Valley are the same league, meaning in yeah. terms of where they splash out and Ken Palm and RPI and all those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, for crying out loud, they're going to Rhode Island. What That, that can't be great. And, uh, you know, the different places they have to travel for their Olympic sports and for baseball and so forth. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, what the common thinking in St. Louis is that St. Louis shoe is biding their time until somebody finally invites them to the Big East. That has always been their goal. It's always where they wanted to end up. Um, and I just don't see the Big East doing that. But, you know, I could be wrong. And I love the people at St. Louis U. And so if that's what they want, I hope they get it. You know, I always want my Christmas presents, too. But um, I just don't see it happening. And and but that has been the common thinking here in St. Louis ever since they joined the Atlantic 10. It's that they were going to just bide their time until they could get into the Big East. The the positive, I think, for the Valley that SLU isn't in the league is that, uh, you know, they don't have a home court advantage come March Madness. And, right. and I think that that is a, a power, you know, a, a powerfully important thing for the league and the league tournament that it's nobody's home court. That said, they've struggled drawing fans the last couple of years. They just redid the deal. They're going to be here at least four more years after this year. Uh, but they have a, an attendance problem at Arch Madness right now. And I asked Doug Elgin about that the other day. I said, how do you fix that? He said, we get better. We have mm -hmm. to have better teams. We have to have better records you know when they were packing the place out in the mid 2000s it's because they had two nationally ranked teams coming in out of the 10 that were coming in and so they just have to the teams have to get better and evansville helped them wednesday night you know you you get some wins like that and people get interested again yeah and selfishly i mean spookies are a big part of that equation as well as getting fans to they are. as well due to the proximity um as well we, we've always said here in St. Louis, if Southern Illinois is good and Missouri State is good and Bradley is good, we'll have great attendance. Right. Uh, Wichita State and Creighton used to fill the place all the time. I mean, the Shocker fans traveled like crazy. So did the Creighton fans. And those and those teams are gone. Yep. And so somebody's got to replace them. And a lot of Loyola people came down here a couple of years ago. Uh, but for But for Arch Madness to be – a really well attended tournament. Southern Illinois has got to be good and, yep. and Missouri state's got to be good. And so those are really important to the health of the tournament. Yeah. You know, I can say at least for the sake of our podcast name, we're very happy of, about the extension <laughs> in uh, St. Louis. <laughs> so along those terms, um, Harry, where can people find you? 
Uh, well, yeah, the website is valleyhoopsinsider.com. We write almost exclusively about the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley. I'll dip into some slew stuff, and, and occasionally I'll write some stuff about local high school players because, you know, that kind of matters as it plays out for some of our, you know, regional teams and those kind of things. I also jump on and, and write for midmajormadness.com periodically when they want something about the Valley and uh, but those are the places we love covering the Valley. Like I said earlier, I'm a Missouri Valley apologist, no doubt. I am unabashed. This time of the year, I am rooting hard for 10 teams, you know, and uh, and then come regular season, you know, conference season time, then it's just nail-biter every night. So, uh, yeah, love the Valley, and, and we write about it all the time. And that's why uh, we picked up on you, um, you know, love the unapologetic. I think we were both the same way, you know, obviously have some passion for the Valley as well. So, uh Thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your perspective on the Valley. And we uh, hope to do it again soon. Yeah, anytime. I love chatting with you guys. I love your podcast. I've listened to a couple of them. I, I love what you guys are doing. You know, we were talking earlier. There's, there's so much room to talk about these great teams and coaches and programs. And, you know, when Matt Lodick, I asked him last night, somebody said, are you surprised by Evansville? And he goes, oh, not at all. We have great teams and leagues and coaches. The reality is that there are really good coaches in the league, and that's what makes it solid year in and year out. Absolutely. Hey, um, you know, another thing that I love about all of your blog posts and especially uh, just emailing back and forth with you is you always end um, either your blog post or an email with do good. So anything around that or can we just end it on do good? Unfortunately, the audio cut out right as Harry was explaining do good, but I thought it was important to capture his thoughts, which were, life is so complicated. Just make doing good part of our life's journey and we'll all be better off. So with that, do good. All right, looking ahead into this week in the Valley, we've got some uh, pretty good games coming up. We're going to start off with Missouri State at Number 21 ranked at the time of recording, Xavier. So I think this is going to be one of those bellwether games for how's Missouri State going to react um, to probably lower expect results that are lower than expected. This is the biggest game coming up this week, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I am obviously this is going to be a big test for Missouri State. Xavier's a good basketball team. Um, I don't know if you have in front of you where they're picked to finish in the Big East. That they got to be. I mean. You're talking about someone that's going to be in the top three or four. I know uh, Seton Hall and Villanova are probably up there as well. But um, this is a huge game for them. I think that they've they've looked like they've gotten right um, in the last couple games with those those couple of wins. But uh, that Little Rock game, um, there's really not a good explanation out there, especially after I saw them play Illinois State. I didn't think there was um, – I thought that that game should have been a game you win. But, I mean, looking forward, this is this is a big opportunity for the Valley to build off the, the Evansville momentum as a conference. Absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's kind of the look ahead there. Uh, going into uh, Saturday's games, uh, really not a ton. Uh, St. Joseph's uh, going to Loyola. That'll be interesting. A team that beat Bradley this season. Loyola coming off with, uh, I guess their expectations have been lowered quite a bit too. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of your thoughts on that? As that that's the kind of game that stands out for me right away. Anytime you have comparable teams or um, you know, was it same matchups within the valley? Those are good ways to see where everyone's at. But I'm I think I'm discounting uh, Loyola's lack of success just due to injuries. Um, and I probably I'm not trying to give them a pass, but I think they are walking a little wounded there. Um, not an excuse, but I think that's a very winnable game for them. And uh, I'll be disappointed Kret- if they don't win this. Yeah, Crutwig's got a. 
take over some more. Well, you got to be upset after losing that game to Coppin State. Yep. I mean, there's there's no excuses. You should come into this game ready to play. Um, I know St. Joe's beat Bradley, but I also don't think Bradley should have lost that game. But yep. otherwise, on that on Saturday, kind of Northern Iowa, Northern Colorado should win that game. Uh, Bradley versus UIC. UIC sneaky decent sometimes. Uh, I know last year they gave Illinois State uh, a nice little drubbing, and I mean they've always been tough for the Redbirds. So. Yeah. Um, in-state game could be tough. Uh, San Francisco going to Southern Illinois, so a home game for the Salukis. So yeah, um, um, it'll be kind of the first D1 game um, at at the Banterra Center. San Francisco three and zero. Three and zero. They beat uh, Yale, Princeton, and somebody. Yeah. Um, so two Ivy League wins. Um, not bad there. And the Ivy League is actually up this year. Yeah, so. they're talking two bids in the Ivy League. I, I, Have you seen that uh, that hashtag? I did Ivy. <laughs> I've got nothing against the Ivy League, but yep. I don't think they're getting two bids. But um, pretty excited. Yeah, I'm no. I can't wait to see the homecoming that um, uh, the Slukies are going to get. Big time game. Um, Moving on to Sunday. Uh, big game right off the bat. Um, my Redbirds, UCF, uh, the Taco Fallless UCF. Yes. Um, so this is a game. Uh, looking into UCF, they're finished. Projected to finish uh, lower half of the American League. Um, game that Illinois State is a kind of. Uh, I would put this kind of similar to Belmont, maybe a little bit of a lesser team than Belmont, but a game. It's a very winnable game. They'll be favored, in my opinion. I think so too. Um, I think that this is a game that uh, if things are working at Illinois State, that you're going to win this game. Yep. Uh, if something pops up, that's not good. But I'm, I'm more interested in next weekend when they play Cincinnati. But yep. um, big game for Redbirds. Get another win at home, hopefully. Uh, is there any uh, other games on this schedule that really stand out to you? Yeah, I think the one that jumps out to me, just uh, I think NES State's going to break um, their winless uh, streak here. I think they're going to beat Ball State. Uh, they're playing at Bankers Live Fieldhouse where the Pacers play. Yep. Um, so looking forward to that game, depending on what channel it's on or if it's on TV. It is on the tray. So I should be able to watch that one. Hey, um, I'm but super. I'm excited to have the plus Baker. I'm back in the game here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the other two games in the Valley on Sunday are North Dakota at Valpo, um, and then Simpson College at Drake. Another uh, chance to see Valpo without Fazekas. See, yeah. see how they can do uh, against North Dakota. A game you should win. Um, I I would expect a four and zero Sunday that day. Yep. Uh, moving on to Monday night, which is another game that I think uh, you and I are pretty excited about. Absolutely. Um, at Evansville is hosting uh, Southern Methodist, uh, the fighting uh, Jankovic's. Um, oh, so that's a, he knows the Valley. Um, so He does know the Valley. I think this is a huge game just in the sense of is Evansville for real, you know? I mean, SMU's not going to look past them now. Um, yeah, they have Kokomo, they have uh, IU Kokomo tonight, which is a game obviously you shouldn't lose. Yeah, Evansville. Oh, I for, yeah, I forgot they're I playing mean, tonight. But, yep. but that's... Uh, neither here nor there. I think the SMU game is a big-time test for the lineal number one team in the country. <laughs> Stop it. All right. I just want to get to Valley regular season, have them play Illinois State for that lineal spot, and let Dirty Dan the boys just run with it. Baker's just making up rankings now. All right, on to Tuesday. They are factually the lineal number one team in the In country. some sports, yes, that's a factual statement. Not in basketball. I mean it. Tuesday. I think you Tuesday, Norfolk State going to <laughs> the Carver Arena. Stop discounting my lineal statement, all right, Vance? And then we have UT Martin from the Ohio Valley going to uh, Northern Iowa. And then another OVC matchup, we've got SIU, uh, the Slugies heading to Murray State. Really excited about the Southern Illinois-Murray State game. I know we kind of touch on Murray State as being one of those teams that was always kind of earmarked as that team, maybe that 11th team in the Missouri Valley. So Murray State always getting some... Love playing a lot of Valley schools, but it'll be a good test for yeah. uh, 
and just Mullins to take his squad over there. And just uh, for insight uh, for some of the listeners, this is actually a regional rivalry for um, the Salukis and the Racers. Uh, two hours separates them, but um, it's big for that region just from a recruiting perspective. Um, not necessarily for sports, but just um, enrollment type uh, regional rivalry. For sure, for sure. Well, yeah, ho- and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Valley can get those games, get those wins, and uh, kind of finalizing things uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, Loyola playing IUPUI, another uh, kind of get right game for them. Just hopefully, maybe kind of get the momentum back on the right track. Uh, Northern Iowa plays Cornell College, not Cornell, but not Cornell, the Cornell College. ACDs um, weren't as high. So this is another game, as we kind of talked about earlier, with uh, Northern Iowa as a team. Uh, we expect. Back in the game. With the stunning upset win by the Purple Aces at Rupp Arena versus Kentucky, I want to go deep into the Valley on just how historical this win was for the Missouri Valley. This was only the 35th time in AP history that an unranked opponent has beat a number one team on their home court. Ironically enough, the first time this ever happened was between two Missouri Valley Conference schools when Detroit, then a member of the Valley, beat Bradley in 1951. The Missouri Valley Conference is 4-3 versus AP number one teams in the past 20 seasons. The most recent is when UNI beat North Carolina in the regular season in 2015-2016 season. Also, Northern Iowa beat Kansas in the 2010 NCAA tournament for Rukmanesh, and Wichita State beat Gonzaga in the 2013 NCAA tournament. The losses were UK over Illinois State, Bradley at Duke, and Evansville at North Carolina. This has been Deep in the Valley. All right, we hope you enjoyed episode 13 of the March to the Arch podcast where we uh, discussed uh, Evansville shock in the world. Uh, we got to talk to Harry Schrader from ValleyHoopsInsider.com. Uh, Baker, uh, where can people find us? Yeah, our two uh, Twitter handles, March Arch Pod, March Arch Baker. Uh, March Arch Mailbag at gmail.com is where you can send us an email. Uh, we've been uh, good about getting back to everybody that emails us, so uh, we appreciate all the feedback. Uh, love interacting with you guys on Twitter uh, just during the games, kind of before games, after games, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, keep that stuff going, and uh, good to keep the Valley conversation moving. And if listeners are interested, I have some audio from the Sunshine Slam, so continue listening. I'm just going to put those back-to-back. Uh, got some starting lineups, just some sounds from the game, uh, just something to have in the background uh, if you're at work or listening to us on the road. All right, have a good week, and go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not? But it's just day by day. Yeah, knowing this is the first road trip, what's uh, the tone you want to set with the guys on travel and preparing for three uh, games in three days? <laughs> what's up, man? I know. <laughs> good, good. Uh, man, we, did, we talked about it right now. I want them to enjoy this right now, you know, this moment right now on the bus when they're with their families. And as soon as we step into that hotel, it's all about Delaware. Um, you know, we got to move on to the next game. We don't have time to think about this win anymore. Uh, we got to be ready. We play in whatever, 18 hours or something. So 
Thanks, Brian. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sunshine Slam. Today, the Sunshine Slam, along with the Gazelle Group and the Greater Orlando Sports Commission, proudly present the first game of today's doubleheader matchup. It features the Delaware Bluehens and the Southern Illinois Sunkies. And now, Ben, let's get the starting lineups first for the Bluehens of Delaware.
All right, Aaron Cook, heck of a game, 19 points. Uh, how did starting off 15-0 and 0 run in the first half feel? It felt great. You know, that was our first time playing against a Division One game, uh, playing a Division One team that you know it really counted. We we prepped for this a, lo a long time, but uh, you know they were really good. We came out from the jump ready to play, and uh, I think they just started off slow. They caught back up, but I was just happy to get the win at the end of the day. You know, when they they made that run late in the second half, I love that the team uh, came together. What was it like on the court with the with the group? Yeah, we were down for a minute, just trying to figure out our defensive principles again, understanding where we needed to be. We talked about being connected in the timeouts, and after uh, the second media timeout, that's when we really came back together. We were connected um, at all times on the floor, so it was really good to get this win. So overall, how's the team uh, coming together and gelling? Um, you know, we're getting there. We're still not exactly where we want to be at yet. I mean, it's just the start of the season, but I think down the road we'll be much better than what we were today. Do you think it helps going on the road uh, three games in three days, you know, outside of Carbondale? Definitely. Uh, you know, playing on a neutral court, we, I mean, we, for some reason, had a great fan <laughs> section. Was it great? Yeah, I mean, there's probably, you know, <laughs> 250, 300 uh, yeah. SIU fans. There's even an SIU chant going on at one time. Yeah, we came out and we, I heard the chants. I'm like, oh, man, there's a lot of people here. But, uh, you know, it was nice to have the fans here. But, you know, playing on the neutral court against uh, some really good teams, I think that's going to help us down the road. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you.